Well, uh, good morning again. Uh, Welcome to the Spencer campus of Crosswinds Church. Uh, This morning, we're continuing our summer series uh, through the Ten Commandments, uh, looking at these commandments not as a way for us to earn God's favor, but again, as a way for us to live in response to what God has already done for us. And this morning's commandment is the fifth commandment. We've been uh, here for just over a month or so. Uh, Fifth commandment is the command to honor our fathers and mothers. uh, And it it's here that we see a shift in focus. Uh, the, the first four commandments that we've looked at to this point have all focused on our responsibilities to God, uh, our, the charge that God has given us to, the, to focus on our relationship with him as, his saved, uh, as people that he has saved, as people that he has redeemed. And we're commanded to live out a certain way, to worship only God, to worship him the right way, for us to honor his name, to honor his character above all things. And then last week we looked at the Sabbath and we saw that that was really uh, a charge for us to rest in the work that Christ has already done for us. And this morning, we we transition from our direct responsibilities to God and now focus on our indirect responsibilities to God as his chosen and and saved people, focusing on how we interact with those that are around us, how we live in relationship with other people. Uh, Last couple weeks, we've looked at Mark uh, and and Jesus's uh, summing up of the Ten Commandments where he says that, you know, what is the greatest commandment? Well, it's to love God. And what's the second greatest commandment? It's to love others. To this point, we've looked at what it means to love God, and now this morning, we're going to begin looking at what it means for us to love others. And this morning focuses on the the closest of horizontal relationships, and that is the family. And it's just so appropriate for us to start there this morning. Not only is the family the building block of a healthy civilization, but more importantly, our interactions with those that we live with, those that are closest to us, are really the best barometer for how God is at work in our hearts. The reality is we might be able to hide our sin from the world, but we're going to have a hard time hiding our weaknesses, hiding our brokenness, hiding our struggles from those who live with us for long. And the work of the Spirit starts in the home. The work of the Spirit is most clearly on display in those relationships. And so the second half of the Ten Commandments, starting this morning and going through the rest of this series, focuses on our relationships at home. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open up to the book of Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 20. It's where we've been for uh, the last several weeks as we continue our journey through these commandments. This morning's commandment is just one verse long. It's found in verse 12. So uh, please follow along as I read aloud uh, this commandment. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this command is all about our closest relationships, those relationships that are closest to us, specifically the relationship between a child and a parent. Now, remember the context of this command. This, con- this command is given to Israel after they've been rescued by God's mighty hand after centuries of slavery in Egypt. God has saved them through miraculous signs, through miraculous wonders, through his wonderful provision in the desert. He's led them through the wilderness all the way to Mount Sinai. And they get to Mount Sinai, and God at last reveals himself to his people. To this point, he has revealed his name. He's spoken to them through Moses. But here in Exodus 19 and Exodus 20, we see that God finally reveals himself 
to Israel. God appears in Exodus 19, fire, smoke, thunder, earthquakes, trumpets blasting everywhere. He calls Moses up the mountain. And after he calls Moses up the mountain to meet with him, Moses comes up, talks with God, and then he goes back down the mountain to the people. Notice the end of Exodus chapter 19. It says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. That's the very end of Exodus chapter 19. And if you notice, Exodus 20 starts right after that and says, And God spoke to Israel. So Moses has gone down the mountain, but before he goes back up the mountain with Aaron, just like God says, he goes down the mountain and then God speaks to the entire nation for the very first time. And here they stand, they're standing at the foot of this mountain, really with a perimeter around this mountain because of God's holy presence on the mountain. And they're being told by God himself how they are to live if they're going to live in his holy presence. Here they stand on the outskirts of God's holy presence, and God says, this is how you are to live. And I think that's the same for us today, too. If we are going to be a people that live in God's holy presence, if we're going to live as God's redeemed children, then these commands remind us how we are to live. And as we approach this command This morning, I want us to just consider why God cares so much about our family relationships. And it's it's really summed up in this one simple phrase. Your interaction with your parents reveals your heart's posture toward God. Your interactions with your parents reveal your heart's posture toward God. That's what this text is really just trying to say this morning. If you want to make it your aim in your life to show honor and glory to God, then God cares about how you treat your parents. If you treat your parents poorly, if you don't care about them, if you see them as inconsequential, then that reflects your heart's posture toward God as well. Your interactions with your parents... Reveal your heart's posture toward God. Jesus in the Gospels makes this abundantly clear when he's talking to the Pharisees. He calls out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7. He says this, And Jesus said to the Pharisees, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is, a gift to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. Jesus, in this moment, is calling out the Pharisees because they are finding a way, a loophole, for them to get around caring for their parents by saying, whatever I would have done for you, mom and dad, I'm actually giving to God. And oh, by the way, I'm actually just going to spend that on myself. 
Jesus's words to the Pharisees are very clear. You can't truly honor God. You can't claim to honor God without also honoring your parents. The Pharisees aren't all that different from the the cultural context of today that sees old age as, as something that's just a burden, something that we can't afford to be dragged down with or bothered with. We live in a culture today that worships youth, that worships vitality, that has no room for a commandment such as this, to take care of our parents in their old age. One author is reflecting on this childhood experience. He grew up the son of managers of a nursing home, and he reveals that this temptation is actually found in the church as well. This temptation to say we are too busy or we have more important things to do than take care of our parents or to honor our parents in their old age. He says this, one of my most vivid memories of growing up in a nursing home environment is of pastors and church workers depositing their parents there and not ever visiting them at Christmas or Easter. Christmas after Christmas, I watched my mom shop for the only gifts that these sad souls would get that year. Your interactions with, or with your parents reveal your heart's posture toward God. But it's one thing for us to hear this command, to honor our fathers and mothers, and it's quite a, quite a different thing to know what that means. So this morning, let's take some time to explore this commandment, to, to break it down and to, to see what it really means for us to honor our father and mother and therefore also honor God. As we dive into God's word, let's pray once more. Please pray with me. God, as we approach uh, this very, very important topic, we ask that you would be with us. We stand amazed that unlike the Israelites who thousands of years ago stood at the perimeter of your holiness, that we are a people that dwell in the midst of of your holiness. God, we rejoice that you dwell among us, and yet as we recognize that you dwell among us, we, we recognize the, the high calling that you have placed on us, this charge on our lives, the, this charge that was true for the Israelites who, who saw your glory just dimly. How much more is it true for us? And so, God, we ask that you would be with us this morning that you would help us to approach this text with gravity, with weight to the calling that you have given to each of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's, let's begin our time looking at this commandment by just asking, what does it mean to honor your father and your mother? Uh, by doing that, we're going to break our text into two parts. The first part of this text is the what, or, or what is our charge, and the second part is the reasoning for that charge. So first, let's look at the charge. Honor your father and your mother. That well, seems pretty straightforward. God tells us that we are to honor our parents. This word honor carries with it the, the, sen- the sense of heaviness, this sense of weight. So for us to honor father and mother means to give them a sense of heaviness or a sense of weight. This language is still used today. We refer to certain positions or titles uh, that people carry with having a certain amount of weight. And what do we mean by that? Well, when we say that, we mean that that person is worth listening to. 
That person is worth following. That person is worth taking advice from. So when God charges us to honor our parents, he is saying that we should treat them with a certain weightiness, that we should treat them in a way that says that we should listen to them, we should follow them, or we should take their advice. Our language also reflects the opposite today as well. When we say that someone's, we're treating someone's opinion lightly, we're saying that we don't give much stock to it. We don't think much of it. We're, we're not considering it worth heeding or taking seriously. My son, uh, Silas, he's, he's fascinated with sizes. He's fascinated with sizes at this age, at three years old. And the other day we were driving downtown and uh, we got to a stoplight and, and he said something about, um, hey, dad, look at my muscles. And he was flexing, and I mean, he's three years old. He's got pipe cleaners for arms. And he's flexing, but he's just so impressed with how big his muscles are. And I say, wow, Silas, that's, that's great. Good job. And he says, Dad, it's your turn. Show me your muscles. And so I, I do the exact same thing, and I understand where he got those pipe cleaner arms from because I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm doing the exact same thing. And he said, Dad, your muscles are so big. We need to talk about lying here later on. (laughs) With Silas, size matters. Size is a sense of respect. And and for him, that was one of the ways to honor his father. It was a, a sense of size. In the exact same way, we, think of, we should think of size as a good thing. One of the ways that we honor our parents is to think much of them, to make them, to think of them as larger than they actually are, and, and don't take that the wrong way. In Jewish and Christian tradition, the idea of honoring our parents really comes down to, is really boiled down to three distinct ways, and I want us to just consider these this morning. The way that we honor our parents, according to to Jewish and Christian church tradition, is really boiled down to three different things. First, to honor your parents means to uh, show them deference or to humbly submit to them, to show respect to them. For those who are under their parents' roof still, this means to be obedient to them, to what they request. For those who no longer live in their parents' home, it means to honor their wisdom It means to honor their experience. It means to care for them just as they have cared for you for a significant portion of your life. This is a charge to keep your parents in the loop. It is a charge to consider their wisdom, to make them continue to feel like they are a part of your family. We honor our parents through deference. Another way that that, uh, we traditionally think of honor is by following their instruction, following their instruction. Specifically, their instruction concerning God. Exodus chapter 20, and the rest of the law assume, they make this commandment to honor father and mother. They assume that, the, that the, your parents are the primary teachers of the faith. They assume that your parents are teaching you the gospel over and over and over in the law, specifically in Deuteronomy. It is the charge of parents to teach their children the faith. The book of Proverbs mentions time and time and time again, both father and mother are important for sharing the faith with their children, and and it's written to a son saying, do not forget what your mother and your father have taught you. 
And so for honoring your parents, according to the Old Testament, it means to actually listen to them and continue in the faith. This is a charge to honor your father and mother. It is a charge to continue in the gospel after you leave their home. A third reason, excuse me, a third way that we honor our parents, according to the Bible, is to provide for them in their old age. Provide for them in their old age. Significantly, God's word here in Exodus chapter 20 is not written to little children. It's actually written to adults. It's written to adults, and it's a charge to them to care for their parents who are going to rely on them in their old age. And so if you are going to honor your aging parents today, part of that is to consider the ways that you can provide for them just as they provided for you. Now, each of these ways, each of these categories, categories, deference, following instruction, provision, they're still applicable today, aren't they? These are still categories that although the culture may have changed, these commands have not. Sons and daughters are still charged to show their parents deference. They're still called to follow their parents' instruction in the gospel, and they're still charged to seek ways to provide for them in their old age. And to do so honors your parents just as God wants you to. God charges his redeemed people to honor their parents, but, this is a big, big but, let's not be naive. Some of us have come from tragic backgrounds. Some of us come from families of neglect. Some of us come from families of abuse. Some of us just have bad parents who aren't all that wise. Some of us come from parents who haven't taught us the gospel, who actually don't think that it's a good idea for us to be a Christian, and and we could go on and on again and on. What does this command mean for those who, if we're using the language of this passage, whose opinion or, or whose advice is not something that's worth taking? What does it mean for us to Honor father and mother in those situations. We'll we'll get to that here more in a moment, but I want to sum it up this way. If you can't honor the person, honor the position. If you can't honor the person, honor the position. You may have had bad parents. You may have had parents uh, where you're still dealing with the wounds of your childhood. The thought of respecting someone who has caused you so much pain, so much trauma is something that is just unthinkable. You're still to this day working through some of these issues. If you can't honor the person, honor the position. Find opportunities to care for your aging parents, to support them, even if it's from afar. Show them respect. This is a way for us to worship God, to have that mindset of, I am doing this even though this person has hurt me, even though this person doesn't care about my relationship with God, I am going to honor them as best as I can as a way for me to worship God as his child. But the whole time, make sure that you're protecting yourself from further pain. See, this is a charge for each and every one of us. It's the, uh, a command that was considered to be one of the most important of the Ten Commandments in ancient Israel. This is seen just in the severity of the commands. If you look at Deuteronomy, uh, there's this charge uh, of what to do with someone who doesn't honor their father and mother. It says this, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, though they discipline him, 
This person will not listen to them. Then the father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all of the men shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, this is not a charge for uh, us to uh, actually stone someone to death every single time that they are disrespectful to their parents, but it shows us the severity or the importance to God in keeping this commandment. It's seen in the exact same way in the New Testament as well. In the New Testament, first Jesus condemns the Pharisees for their workaround, so that way they don't have to honor their father and mother. And then we see Paul is writing to the church, in, uh, or he's writing to Timothy, and in his first letter he says this, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is in the context of aging parents. And he says, if you don't take care of your parents, if you aren't actually honoring them, then you're actually worse than an unbeliever. You've actually denied the faith. God cares deeply that we honor our parents as much as we are able to do so with our lives. That's what it means for us to honor our parents, to give them or or to give their position the weight that it deserves. And the gravity of this calling to not do so is serious in God's eyes. So let's consider another piece of this phrase, this phrase to honor your father and your mother. Notice that God says to honor both. God says to honor both your father and your mother. This is shocking for ancient Israel, for ancient times when the male was considered the only one worth honoring. God says otherwise. He says both the, husband, or both the father and the mother are worthy of honor. I can think of two ways that it works its way out here uh, in, our way, in, our, in a unique way today. First, this means for parents that still have children living in their home, they should be in communication with one another. They need to be in communication with one another so that way they don't intentionally or unintentionally undermine their spouse in parenting. If one spouse has a a goal to become the favorite parent or to become the fun parent, then they can undermine their child's love for and honor for their spouse. And that's something that's prohibited by this commandment. Parents should help their children be able to keep this commandment by honoring both father and mother. And to do that, parents need to be in communication. Second, this has implications for divorced or separated families that don't have both the father and the mother in the home. This is an immensely difficult situation. It's far more difficult than communication in the previous example. But the same principle is just as important. While you can't control what your former spouse or the, the, your, other, uh, your child's other parent does, you should make every reasonable effort to help them cultivate a sense of honor and respect for both father and mother, protecting them, of course. No matter how strained your relationship is with their other parents, as much as you are able while protecting your children, do so in a way that cultivates an honor for both father and mother. So we've looked at this command, what it means for us to honor both father and mother. Let's take a, 
a moment and consider the reason why, according to Scripture. What reason does, Paul, or does God give here for honoring both father and mother? This passage and the rest of Scripture reveal uh, several reasons. I want to look at three for us this morning. First, found in this passage, Exodus 20, uh, 12, the, the second half of the verse. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Here, God is saying that we honor our parents because there is a blessing awaiting those who give their parents the honor and the weight that they deserve. There is a blessedness awaiting those who keep this commandment. And so for the ancient Israelites who saw the land as a sign of God's covenant, as a sign of their blessing from God, this was a very important commandment. Today, Christians don't have the promise of the land, but we still have the promise of, of blessedness, this, this promise of God's presence with us. We also should live in a way that honors our parents because there is a promise given to us as well, and it's a promise that's far greater than the land. It's to dwell with God himself. So why should you honor your parents? Well, the first one, as we see here in this, uh, the first reason is seen in this passage is because God promises both earthly and eternal blessings to those who do so. The second uh, reason is found in the New Testament. Paul takes this commandment uh, from Exodus chapter 20 and uses this commandment to encourage the early church to live out the gospel in their family lives. And he takes this commandment and he applies it to the entire Christian family. In Ephesians chapter 6, we see our second reason. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The second reason that is given for honoring your father and mother is because it's just the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Your parents have taken care of you, and so you should take care of them. It's only right to show them the honor that they deserve. It's only right to respect them, to obey their requests, to live in such a way that honors them, to take care of them if you are able in their old age. It's the right thing to do. There's another reason. It's also found in another one of Paul's letters. Paul takes this command, not just writing to the church in Ephesus, but also to the church in Colossae. In Colossae chapter 3, he refers to this commandment again, and he gives us our third reason. Consider these words from verse 20 of Colossians 3. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Why is it that children should honor their parents? Well, it's because it pleases God. God is pleased when children live out their faith. God is pleased when that faith is worked out starting in the family. God is pleased when children give their parents the weight and the honor that they deserve. Honor your father and your mother because it pleases God, because it's the right thing to do, and because God promises you blessing if you do, this command is near to God's heart. It's very near to God's heart. And that's what Paul tells us when he says that this is a first command that comes with a promise. The reason why this commandment matters so much to God is rooted in what we said was really the summary of this text. And it's this, you, your interactions with your parents reveal your heart's posture toward God. In other words, Let's break that down. In other words, parents have the unique privilege and the very high responsibility 
of representing God to their children. If you look at the Old Testament, this phrase, honor, is usually reserved for those who are speaking as God's representatives. Those who are God's representatives are those that you are to honor. And so that's what the, the, here's what that means for today. In the home, parents are to live in a way that shows their children what God is like. Parents, whether you want your children to or not, your children learn what God is like, for better or worse. Your children learn what God is like by the way that you interact with them because you are God's representative. A, a couple examples, mostly bad, will help crystallize this. If you are a grump around your children, if you are always stressed out, if you are always bent on making them follow the rules to the point that they never get to have fun, they never get to act like children, they never get to make mistakes, what do you think they will think that God is like? They will think that they will come to a point in their lives when they're ready to make their faith their own, and after years of seeing you as their authority figure squash any sort of life out of them, any sort of fun, they're going to project those same experiences on God. They're going to see God as someone who hates fun, someone who only cares that the rules are followed, someone who is strict, someone who is hard, someone who is oftentimes unloving. Alternatively, if you spoil your children, if you give them whatever they want, whatever, uh, whatever they desire in, in every single moment, what do you think their beliefs about God will be like? Well, they're going to think that God is there to meet their every need, that God is there to wait on them hand and foot, to give them everything their hearts desired and, and desires. And so when they, they come to God in prayer, it's going to be extremely self-centered. It's going to be focused on what they want. And when God doesn't give them what they want, they will want nothing to do with him. This is true in, in any and every way. The same can be distracted if you, or said if you're distracted all the time with your children, if you're distant from your children, if you're rarely around, if you're hypocritical, if you break their trust, if you never have time for them, if you never show them your heart, how do you think that they will believe God and what God is like? Well, they'll think that God is the exact same way. You see, this is why this commandment is so important to God. It's why this commandment is so close to God's heart. For parents, it's because you reflect God to your children. And for children, the way they treat their parents reveals their heart's posture, their receptivity toward God. Paul makes it very clear when he takes this commandment in the New Testament and applies it to the Christian family, the fifth commandment is not just something for children, it's actually something for parents as well. The responsibilities of this verse are huge for all of us. It doesn't matter your life stage. Now, of course, this also includes those who have no children. It also includes those whose parents are gone. It includes those who have no relationship with one or both of their parents, those whose parents uh, contradict the word of God, those who want nothing to have their children have nothing to do with the gospel. You see, this passage applies to each and every one of us because like the other commandments, it's not just reserved for this one concrete example in our lives. God gives us this command. He focuses on authority in the home. But the command also refers to all forms of authority outside the home as well. 
In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament those who were in positions of authority, it doesn't matter if that was a government authority, whether it's spiritual authority or whatever, those who were in authority were oftentimes referred to as father. So the ancient Israelites would have primarily interpreted this passage to refer to their relationships with their parents, their interactions in the family. But it also has implications that spread far beyond that. I'll just share a few verses that, that show this. First, from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 24. This is David speaking to Saul. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. Here, David speaking with King Saul and refers to him as father. The king of Israel was seen as a father figure. He was to be respected. He was to be honored by all of Israel because of his position, even if he was someone who wasn't worthy of honor. And Saul does an ex excellent example of showing that that is the case. Even if the person is not worthy of honor, respect the position. Another one from the Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 2, and Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him, being Elijah, no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Here we see that Elisha is referring to the prophet Elijah as his father, another person who is in a position of authority in ancient Israel, someone who is to be respected as a father figure. As such, he was to be respected and honored because of his position. Same thing is found in the New Testament, Acts chapter 7. And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Stephen is speaking to the elders of Israel, the religious authorities of Israel, and he says, My fathers, this is a statement of respect for spiritual leaders in the community, and it's another implication of this commandment. You see, this commandment, the fifth commandment, is primarily concerned with the home. It's primarily concerned with you honoring God by honoring your parents as best as you are able to do, but it's also concerned with every other sphere of your life where you are under authority. That includes our government, that includes our vocations, that includes the church, that includes more than that as well. We are to show respect to those that God has placed in positions of authority over us. And you might be saying, well, how exactly do I do that? 1 Peter chapter 2, I think, gives us the answer. 1 Peter 2, 17 says this, honor, your honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Peter writes this in the context of relationships between Christians and the government that was hostile to the gospel. And Peter says this in the midst of discussion on how we are to do that. And he says, first, honor everyone. First thing that Peter says is every single person that you come into contact with, whether they are worthy of respect or not, whether they are hostile toward you or not, you are to show them respect and you are to show them honor. And you're to do that because they are created in God's image. Notice the second command that he gives here. He says, honor everyone. And then he says, love the brotherhood or, or love, specifically love Christians. We show respect to everyone that we come into contact with, but the, the responsibilities for those who claim the name of Christ 
is higher for us. We, we respect all of humanity, but we love fellow Christians. Third, fear God. God should hold the place of highest honor, the highest respect in our hearts because he is the sovereign ruler of all. Nothing happens outside of his hands. Our lives are in his hands. He is worthy of all glory, worthy of all honor, worthy of all power. That is your highest calling. It's to give God glory and honor and reverent respect with everything that you do. And then fourth, he says, honor the emperor. Radically subversive in ancient Rome. For the ancient uh, Roman Empire, you were to fear Caesar. You were to look at Caesar as the person who was in the highest position of authority in the known world. You were to consider him a sovereign. You were to consider him as the one who holds your life in his hands, the one who was worthy of all glory and honor and power. And so to say that he is to be honored while God is to be feared was radical in that day and age. You see what this means for us this morning. Respect everyone you come into contact with. Love fellow Christians. Above all else, fear God. Respect him with the the highest reverence that you can. And honor those who are in positions of authority. So that means that if you are to show honor to those who are in positions of authority, you cannot do so in a way that contradicts your respect for God. Your call to love other Christians. This charge to respect authority starts in the home, and the home is a microcosm of our call to respect authority in every other sphere of our lives. This morning we started by saying that your interactions with your parents reveal your heart's posture toward God. I think maybe a better way of saying it is this, your interactions with authority reveal your heart's posture toward God. How you interact with those who are in positions of authority, those that God has placed over you, shows how you will relate to God. And as you hear that, maybe you can think of countless times where you have failed in this commandment. Countless times where you failed as a parent, where you failed as a son or a daughter, where you failed as an employee, where you failed as a citizen of the United States, and on and on. I, I know I can count, I can't even begin to count the times where I failed. We're all imperfect. We're imperfect parents, we're imperfect children, we're imperfect citizens. But here's the good news of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 reminds us that we are not welcomed into God's presence because we are perfect children, but because God has already saved us. And as people who understand the gospel, we recognize it's not because we're perfect children, but because of his perfect son. Luke chapter 2 tells us that Jesus was perfectly obedient to his earthly father and mother, Joseph and Mary. It says this, and he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus uh, was baptized by John, and, and God declares that Jesus is the perfectly obedient son. And we see by the end of the Gospels, that leads to his death 
on a cross. Luke chapter three. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Even at the end of his life, with the weight of the world's sin resting on his shoulders, Jesus did not forget this commandment. John chapter 19 is is so powerful. Even though his father has died, his mother is still alive, and she is at the cross, and she is watching Jesus die, and Jesus is facing his impending death, and Jesus still fulfills this commandment. Notice these words. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. If you want to know how serious God takes this commandment, look at those verses. Look at those verses that say that Jesus is about to die for his mother's sins. He's about to die for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of anyone who would believe in him. And yet he takes the time to take care of his mom. That is the grace that God gives us. It's because of that perfect obedience of Jesus, the perfect honoring of his earthly father and mother, the perfect honoring of his heavenly father, that we are found with grace. That God has given us grace as well. For those who have failed as parents, there is grace. For those who have failed as children, there is grace. Your interactions with authority reveal your heart's posture toward God. And so as we close, ask, what do those interactions reveal about your heart? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the high charge, the high calling that has been fulfilled through your son. And God, we ask that as your rescued people, those that have been saved, you would help us to take this commandment seriously, to honor those who are in positions of authority over us, to honor parents, to honor those who are employers, to honor government officials, for those who are parents to serve faithfully in teaching their children the gospel. We do so not as a way to earn your favor, but because you have already given it in Christ. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.